What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 33, Marty Lee, Trey Entity with you again. Guys, the double feature, like I mentioned, part number two is here. We had a great interview with Bly Madris earlier in the week. We have our favorite guest, one of the regulars, Mike McHenry, back to join us again. Former catcher, AT&T Sportsnet analyst. Mike, thank you as always for coming on with us. How have you been since the last time we spoke? Oh, I appreciate you guys having me as always. I, I love talking ball with you guys. Uh, been good. Been uh Weirdly busy, um, kind of moving and shaking all over uh, Tennessee. Uh, traveled a little bit um, in this weird time, but it's been uh, it's been very interesting and it's been very busy. But all in all, good. Good to hear. That's you know I think that's this time of the year. Everybody's traveling, and in 2020 things get a little bit complicated with COVID 19 and <laughs> and everything else naturally. But uh, great to hear it, Mike. The Pirates have have had a little bit of a busy off season so far. Um, as expected, some moves have been made. Let's start by talking about the DFA of Trevor Williams and Jose Osuna. We talked about it last week, kind of in a in a reaction style. What was your first reaction to these moves? Obviously, you know, they were expected to an extent, but, um, you know, impactful on, on the city and the team. You know, the Trevor Williams one um, didn't, I guess neither one of them really surprised me. Yeah. The way that they played Osuna all year long. I'll get to Trevor in a minute because he's one of my favorites, so I, I want to kind of wait. Um, yeah. But I felt like they had something kind of, I don't know, like on their sh- like a like a chip on their shoulder or something. Like Osuna, like, I don't know, like keyed in their cereal or something. Something weird happened <laughs> because, you know, the guy had an incredible year off the bench. I mean, you could probably put him in the top ten in the league, in the National League, as a guy that played off the bench. And I know there was a DH, but you, you think of, of a guy that's defensively adequate in a bunch of different positions, and when he gets regular at-bats, meaning, you know, even if he gets one at-bat here or he double switches, 
in a game, you just keep him fresh. He's always hit. So I was really surprised um, he got designated, um, especially before Will Craig. I know he had he, he got DFA just the other day too. So it's one of those things that you just have to look at and say, man, like what was the thought there? I can't wait to ask some of the front office and say, you know, what, would you, what were you thinking? And then also you can look at it as maybe they had a kind of under-the-table deal with the – it was either Korea or Japan he signed with because they get a posting fee for a lot of that stuff. and That seemed to happen really quick. And then with Trevor Williams, um, you know, I, I think ever since 2018, he's been in kind of search mode and survival mode. Um, I felt like he was doing a lot of things better at times last year. I do think his his role going into next year, wherever he lands, is going to be out of the bullpen. He's going to have to earn a spot. Um, because, you know, if, if you look back at his – resume of 2020 you know he would have two or three really good innings and then he would just have a blow-up inning or he would just have a tough inning walks were up hits were up um, but that's going to trend in the other direction he didn't give up a lot of hard contact um, but he did, did give up the home run ball so it was just a weird year for him 2019 was weird for him I hope that he can get super healthy come back and pitch for somebody and hopefully contend I mean I think the world of him he's a great guy He's one of the faith leaders on the team, so it's kind of sad to see him go. I felt like he uh, represented uh, everything you want in a, in a player and, and a leader in the clubhouse. So he's going to be hard to replace, but I, I do think they have the pitching depth to replace him, and I think he'll land on his feet somewhere. Yeah, one thing you mentioned, Michael, that I kind of thought myself with the Jose Osuna deal with him being DFA before Will Craig, because I kind of anticipated both of them to – be moved off the roster this offseason. Like you said, you do wonder if they had a deal in place for him overseas because he did sign very quickly in Japan. And like you said, they get a bit of that kickback on the posting fee. And you will see organizations do that from time to time with guys where, hey, you know what? You've kind of run your course here. Let's try and help you land on your feet somewhere so you can start working your way towards that second opportunity. So I kind of thought that myself too, that that might have been a little bit of Ben Charrington and the Pirates kind of had something in place there and just try and help Jose land on his feet and, you know, hopefully put together a good year or two overseas and work his way back to the major leagues again. No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, I I don't think there's any kind of understating how much Trevor Williams meant, like you're talking about, just to the city too. You can replace the depth. You can replace everything else. But the impact he had with Project 34, um, you know, the podcast he had with Stephen Brault, he will be missed, no doubt about it, um, and Jose Osuna as well. And I think Jose Osuna, you know, wouldn't you say is is a product of kind of how the rules have changed his role. You know, he was such a great bat off the bench, excellent pitch hitter in that role. Um, but, you know, how much of, of a potential DH going universal at the next CBA messes up his role and, you know, maybe his future with the Pirates? Yeah, and, and two, you, you kind of look at the how the roster is laid out as of right now. They have a lot of guys that move around the diamond. And, and you know, if, if they do go back to, you know, normal National League rules, no DH, they probably feel like they can kind of fill that void, especially with a guy like Colin Moran. Um, you're going to have different guys that can kind of like kind of move and shake around the diamond and fill in roles that maybe he would have played. I just think – his upside, especially how hard he hit the ball, how consistent he was in the minor leagues and in the big leagues when he got to play, that I would have loved to see him 
you know, get consistent playing time at the corners in the outfield and first and third, just filling in gaps constantly because I think he would have really done some damage. Uh, well, you mentioned Will Craig a second ago, his designation as well. Let's talk about that a little bit more. What, what you know, eventually led to this? What was the ultimate decision on, on letting him go and not trying to work with him, take a chance on him down the road? I just think you look at what's behind him and what's in front of him. You know, you, you look in front of him, you have Bell, Moran uh, at first base, and behind him you have, is it Mason Martin? Is that right? Mason Martin. In double A? Yeah. Yeah, so you have a 30-home run guy behind him, a 30-home run, potentially 40-home run guy in Bell, and then Moran, you know, showcasing his hit ability this year in the power surge. You know, it's hard to justify putting another guy, even though he is good defensively, probably better than all three. uh, It's just one of those things you just look at and say, ah, you know, we we can do without this, and they can always go get like a Mitch Moreland. If they feel like, hey, we want to we want to throw a guy at first base, his defensive first, he's going to put up the exact same numbers as he's done almost every single year, and we'll have that consistency at first base. We'll throw Josh Bell at DH, and then that would probably push Moran to second base. I'm not sure, but or a trade. But I, I think it just you, you see the options and you see what's happening in the market. Um, tonight was or is it tonight? The the waivers uh, will probably be 15, 20, 30. 40 guys that they would probably want to scoop up in waivers uh, next little bit. And I'm sure they're going to be active in the Rule 5. So every roster spot's going to be precious. Um, from now until spring training, we're going to probably see a lot of moves that we haven't seen in the past. Interesting. Everything's getting reconstructed to an extent on this team. And, you know, it's part of the greater plan. Pirates made room for pitcher Ashton Godu, um, you know, with the designation of Will Craig. What do you know about him? and what he could bring to the city of Pittsburgh, this team? Well, I think after they after they saw the left-handed slider machine come from Colorado and be able to pitch well, I think they feel comfortable bringing in another guy from Colorado who didn't have necessarily the success, but he saw glimpses of, of good. And he's, he's a little bit of a late bloomer, but at the end of the day, like there's potential there. Um, you can see the analytics uh, with guys, so like they're not guessing as often. As, as they used to, like, oh, we're hoping this works. Um, heard he's a good dude. I think he's going to have a really good opportunity to come in and, and, you know, help the team out. He'll definitely get a chance to compete. But I, I think any time you see, you know, a good arm coming from Colorado, uh, you know, sometimes just getting out of there can completely shift a guy's career. I know from the uh, little bit of digging I've done on Godu, and there's a more extensive write-up about this on the website, so feel free to head over to runbutter.com and check it out if you'd like. But uh, kind of bit off what you said, Michael, with the success they had bringing in Sam Howard and his slider from Colorado, because the ball just balls don't break well in Denver because of how high, how high the elevation is and how thin the air is. And Godu recently, I think it was, I want to say during either the 2018 season or the 2019 season, I forget which one it was, I apologize for that, he really started to lean on his curveball more and then went to the Arizona Fall League that year and leaned on his curveball big time and had a lot of success. And one thing we saw last year is that Oscar Marine is a big believer in the curveball. So I definitely think that played a role in that move as well, is he kind of seems to be the guy that fits this new profile of what Oscar Marine is looking for in his pitcher. And, you know, he really likes 
to have that plus curveball at his disposal. And like you said, coming from Denver, there is a good opportunity that, you know, you get him pitching in more normal, more regular conditions, that that ball is going to have a lot more break and a lot more bite to it. So, like, let's stick on – since I've played in Colorado a lot, um, the curveball is, is is a pitch that I saw last year. Guys slowly getting to the point where they understand what they're trying to do with it. Uh, Chad Cool was a little bit um, off with it. He was throwing a little bit too much for a strike. But these guys were starting to throw it almost like Trevor Bauer. Strikes at the top of the zone and back door and then really being aggressive with it. Um, and swinging, swinging miss counts or in aggressive counts, and I, I feel like that's a product of what Oscar's trying to do, and he'll do that with um, that kid from uh, Colorado because in Colorado, like you said, it, it's a lot denser. Um, you, you're really, really, I think you're a mile high um, at, at, at certain points in Colorado, and it, the ball just doesn't spin as well. It doesn't break as well. You have to be more aggressive. You have to have smaller misses. So. That's why guys do have success there because they understand that. They don't try to change anything. Guys that don't have success there, they think it's going to work exactly how it would anywhere else. Um, and I, I really think, you know, being able to come in and, and, and work with Oscar, I think this kid will, you know, probably take leaps and bounds forward. We've seen a lot of guys on this team, and the bullpen started as well, take those leaps. You know, since joining Oscar Marine, um, you got to hope this is another example of that. Let's talk about what this is like for a player this time of the year. Michael, you experienced it several times throughout your career. You know, what's it like when all this this hecticness is going on? You know, you could be sent to this team or this team. You know, take us through the offseason as, as a former player and, and what it's like to, you know, have your future kind of up in the air. Um, obviously, this offseason is very strange. I think there's going to be more guys just looking for a job, as you've seen some of the signings already. Yeah. Um, I don't think he, I think you're going to see a lot of one year and two year deals because of the revenue loss. They said they lost X amount of dollars. That's probably their projected off what they were going to make or what they made last year. So it's not an actual that money doesn't mean they lost that much money. It just means they didn't make that much revenue. Um, I, I think a lot of times people are like, oh my gosh, they lost 110 million dollars. Well, what was the revenue last year and how close were they? That's how much they actually lost. So. Um, and different teams are going to have a different ability. Uh, I think you're going to see probably the craziest tread, de- tread deadline in the history of MLB um, going into 2021 because guys are going to make crazy moves to get into the playoffs that they didn't make um, this offseason. And there's going to be good players available. There's going to be guys that really kind of jump off the page because you know, they're on a one-year deal or a two-year deal for peanuts. So uh, the offseason is very different right now, but it, it, it gets very uh, real after the winter meetings, after Christmas. You know, usually as a, as a free agent, um, you have to watch the board kind of fall. So if you're a right-handed hitter, even if you're a catcher, so for example, when I was uh, waiting to get signed, I would have to watch a couple of big-name right-handed hitters, even though I wasn't in their category until they signed a lot of times they wanted to see how rosters were going to construct and how much money is going to be spent on this one player if they thought they had a chance for him before they wiggled out. So since I was a backup catcher, um, a lot of times I'd get signed mid-January. Uh, I'd have early teams call 
kind of put a filler out till, till they're interested say, Hey, we're trying to do some other things, but you are a priority. And then you don't hear from them for two months. So it's, it's a, uh, it's a very different time. You have to really trust your agent and just trust the process. Then it's all going to work out. And I always said, you never have any ex- expectations. You just kind of wait and see. You know, this off season is weird. This is this is so much different than any other off season we've ever experienced. Baseball's taken a, a definitely taken a step back. How long is it going to take to catch up? You know, how, how long is the impact of this COVID ridden season and off season going to haunt baseball? Do you think? I don't think COVID did as much damage as they actually did to themselves. Yeah. Well. Um, uh, and what I mean by that is, you, you can see how they're restructuring minor leagues. <laughs> Uh, they are getting more pay. Um, everybody makes it seem like MLB is such such uh, good people for doing that, but it was at the end of the day, it was from lawsuits, um, and they've been in uh, litigation with minor league baseball all summer long. Um, I'm surprised minor league baseball isn't completely bankrupt. Uh, oh yeah. But it, it's been it's been a disaster watching <laughs> the power play, not only in our country but especially in Major League Baseball when we should be looking for unity. I mean, it, it's 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 America's pastime. Let it be America's pastime, and they're focused on all the wrong issues instead of focusing on the fans. And I, I think that's where they're going to start grabbing people back. Is when fans can get their butts in the seats, they can get next to the players, they can just kind of you know smell the hot dogs and the popcorn and the barbecue, and you know hear the crack of the bat, the cheers. I think that's when you're going to start to like feel baseball coming back but it it is going to be a long couple years with the pa and mlb trying to figure things out um, and really trying to kind of narrow down what's more important to them i hope they pick the right stuff yeah no no kidding man it's it's a great point because baseball is one of those games you really have to go to and experience you know, for some people, there's, you know, there's the diehards like us. There, there's a lot of great baseball fans that can enjoy the game from home. But for so many people, it's about being at the ballpark and really getting to experience that in person. Um, and, you know, with, with the whole restructuring, too, I wanted to get your opinion on, on that new uh, draft league, the new summer bat league. What do you think that's all about? It, it's been branded well. Is that going to be something that is, is really, truly effective for Major League Baseball? So... I just saw that today. I haven't read a lot about it. Is now correct me if I'm wrong. Is that where like free agents are going to go? Yeah, I believe college? so. I, I was a little confused myself. I think it's it's almost you know just players that are trying to get drafted as well as you know kids that didn't get signed. I, I think that's kind of the layout. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like a little bit of like a, a showcase kind of league. It's restructuring. They're having another year, and I, I'm I'm assuming this is going to stick. Because they're selling last year five rounds. I believe they're doing 15 or 20 rounds this next year, which is still down from 40. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and if you look across the league, there's a lot of guys, you know, post fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, all the way up to the 30th round that make it to the big leagues. I mean, you, you see some of the yeah. best relievers in baseball are 20th round picks, 25th round pick. They get into the league they learn some things and they take off and i think those stories are going to be you know harder to find and i think it's going to be a while so they kind of get the groove of it it'll it'll definitely uh, kind of like pan its way through and, and they'll figure it out but 
I'm excited for the guys getting an opportunity. Um, it's just kind of another way to look at independent ball, uh, but they'll have a tie to major league. So they'll definitely feel closer to it, but it just stinks that a lot of those guys probably would have gotten drafted, would have had a little bit of money in their pocket to, you know, go chase their dream. Now they're going to be right in the middle. Even though they're chasing their dream, um, I, I do think it's going to be, it's going to be a tough road uh, from that. But to, you know, it's a dream. You chase it, you know, you give it everything you got, you high risk, high reward. Certainly. And I, I think that was kind of, my initial reaction, it seemed like a positive thing. You know, I didn't know if it was kind of a way for them to try to disguise something, um, you know, or whatever. But we'll see how that goes and really just how how the reaction to this, um, you know, continues to unfold. It's truly, it's tragic, though, to look back and think, you know, there was a time where everybody had the okay on COVID. It was just the players and, and the owners not being able to agree on anything. Um, but, you know, you got to hope that that continues to get sorted out. The Rule 5 draft is approaching in January. The Pirates have the number one pick if they decide to use it. What do you expect out of out of this Rule 5 draft? Will the Pirates use that that first pick? I think they will. Um, uh, I, I looked at some of the names. There's, there's quite a few top prospect catchers. And you, you got to remember, too, that you know with this new regime, they're going to be kind of putting value on certain things that are really important to them. And it looks like, as of right now, defense and pitching is going to be number one for them and then kind of let the rest play out. So I think that's what you're going to see. You know, if there's if there's a heavily defensive guy, um, they usually are easy to hide. Um, they're easy to put in the big leagues. Uh, hard thrower, uh, backup catcher, um, all those guys will be easy to figure out a way to, like, you know, hide them. Uh, so I think you're going to see them be – pretty active especially if they feel like they can upgrade in certain areas and if they can get a different type of player you know that fits the mold that they want because if you look at the roster you know especially you know the lineup there's a lot of similar guys you know like they uh they have to have hit ability they're not high walk guys they're not high power guys they have to hit and since they haven't been stealing or running they're not really producing a ton of runs so they need more run producers or more havoc producers on the base pass to really kind of drive more offense going into next year. Yeah, I know with the with the Rule Five draft, two guys that kind of really jumped out at me. And part of this is, like you said, these are guys that can be easy to quote unquote hide on your roster. If you take them to Rule Five draft, where Daniel uh, De Los Santos, reliever from the Phillies, who does actually have a little bit of MLB experience, and then Zach Pop, who is a reliever with Baltimore who was actually part of the Manny Machado trade not all that long ago. And Pop was a guy that I was very surprised or he was left unprotected. So I agree with you. I think they'll take somebody. Um, who it'll be, we don't know. But it's one of those things you have the top pick in the Rule 5 draft and is definitely a absolutely zero risk with a potentially very high reward type of deal. So I just have a hard time believing any team is going to turn down the top pick in the Rule 5 draft. And, and two, they can always send them back. Exactly. Like, at the end of the day, like, it, it is like, it's just taking a feeler out on a guy. You know, like, maybe they see a guy that's, you know, he's, he's got one plus-plus pitch. They feel like they can develop a new one in spring training and make him elite. He'll go grab him, you know? Like, yeah. And I think that's really smart, especially with kind of where they're at now. And, I mean, I've seen Rule 5 picks come in and be absolutely outstanding, too. So, 
um, could be somebody that comes in and helps them eat it. Yeah, they, I mean, the, you don't have to go far to find, you know, success with Rule 5 draft. Like, had he stayed healthy, I have zero doubts in my mind, Nick Birdie would have been one of the best relievers in the National League the last few years, you know. Like, there's talent there to be had. Uh, Evan Meek, who I think his last year with the Pirates was your first year here, was an all-star for them, and they got him in the Rule 5 draft. Like, they're, 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 there's talent there to be had if you can find someone, you know, cultivate that talent, kind of protect them over the year, don't overuse them, that sort of thing. And now with the expanded rosters, it's easier than ever to try and carry that extra guy throughout the year without having to potentially give him back to the other organization too. The Rule 5 draft, free agent signings, DFAs are going to form this roster as the offseason continues to develop. Um, but let's let's project kind of some of these signings and maybe some more designations as well, guys that could be traded. Adam Frazier has been the hot name for quite some time now. We've been talking about, you know, a potential deal with Adam Frazier. What do you know, um, you know, as this offseason gets into the thick of it here? Is, is Adam Frazier headed to D.C.? What's, what's looking likely now for... Mr. Frazier. I think we'll know sooner than later, but yes, I would, I would hundred uh, percent trade him. Um, you know, his, his cost is going to be a lot higher. Uh, two years in a row, he's, he's top three in the gold glove chase. So um, I think he'll fit in very well in a place like DC. There's probably some other landing spots, um, but it's all going to be after LeMayhew. Uh, until he's signed, uh, I wouldn't expect Frazier to go anywhere. Uh, once LeMahieu signed, I think you'll kind of see uh, a little bit more activity with, with Frazier. that we call a lot more. So I'll be interested to see. He's another guy I really like. I'd love to have him there. I think he's got a lot more pop in his bat. Um, and I hope that that's his main focus this offseason is whether he creates a little bit more rhythm or whatever to you know figure out a way to enhance that ability to hit the ball of the yard because he's got pull side pop and he doesn't use it like he can and we've seen it you know we've seen that pop at times from adam frazier and i think teams know what they're getting from a guy like that at this point you know you're going to get above average defense at times and you know some lefty power here and there and like you said it's going to take lemayhew some other guys signing for him to really start talking about a serious trade or anything else. Is that going to be the case for most of the trade pieces on this team, the Stephen Brault's, the Joe Musgrove's? Are there guys that need to be moved around before you can even talk about trading some of these Pirates? Um, yeah. I, I think got, I hope they hold on to Musgrove and Brault. I hope they sign, you know, maybe they can squeeze Reynolds for all he's got right now since he had a tough year and sign him long-term, sign Hayes long-term. Because I feel like the city needs that. Yeah. I feel like they need something. And even if they sign him, it doesn't mean they're going to be there forever, right? It means that, hey, we're, we're saying we're committed to you now, and we'll see what happens. But if they can find, like, a common ground, especially right now, I think you can do this if, if, if they will. Because, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. They need to play that to their favor, get guys comfortable, and, and get them signed. And... I think that'll open up the door with guys like Reynolds. Because once Reynolds is comfortable, I feel like he's going to do a cuts, dude. He's going to take off. Yeah. Because um, he doesn't feel like he's constantly trying to prove himself. Um, and I, I think Hayes, I think it doesn't matter what they do with them. But, like, Josh Bell's <laughs> another guy. I think once they sign him, especially if you have the DH in play, that's the only way to sign him long term. I, I would literally 
I would literally tell you right now, it'll give him a peace of mind that he's never had before to go out and just play. So, like, I, I think there's some things that they can do just internally that can really help them out. And, you know, they're going to be as active as they possibly can to enhance really their organization as much as they are at the top. But you're going to have to see some pieces kind of fall off the table uh, before some of the smaller moves actually happen. Yeah, and, you know, I think being comfortable, like you're talking about, is such a such an emphasis for this team and every player in Major League Baseball. Being comfortable is huge. For a guy like Brian Reynolds, for for guys like Josh Bell, you know, I think that's a priority of this of this front front office, a priority for Ben Sherrington to make these guys feel comfortable. You know, who else do you think is is really looking at a long term deal? Is it just going to be that core of Reynolds, Bell, you know, Hayes? Is is there anybody else that this team is really looking to to lock up? Um, I, I, I guess you know, I guess I'm saying even like a Mitch Keller. We've had that conversation a good bit. You know, how safe is a guy like like he? Yep, gotcha. Okay, uh, okay, good deal. Um, <laughs> Mitch Keller scares me a little bit. Uh, his numbers are—we've uh, talked about this before. They—they they were terrifying. Even though he pitched well at the end, yeah. Uh, there's a lot more luck involved. I uh, still think he has tremendous upside, but I do want to see him turn the quarter inside his own brain. Uh, but like a guy like Musgrove, uh, is, is, is the way he ended the season, the mindset change. Um, I think he's the guy I would really try to lock up. Um, because he brings you kind of more than just the arm. Um, he brings the competitiveness. He brings a leader. Um, he's outspoken. He's going to stick up for his teammates. And he kind of resembles that pirate that, that, that you need on the team. Um, Jameson Tyon, I would have done it last year, but he's another guy. You know, he's coming off second time of John. It's a risk, but I think the risk is um, not that big. He's done a great job of working on his arm path and changing his biomechanics, using the lower half better. Uh, and you're going to see a shorter arm path. He's probably going to throw harder than he ever has. So expect about 98, 99 pretty consistently. And it's going to be quick. Uh, it's really going to jump on guys. I think he's going to impress a lot of people. So that's what I'd look at. Um, and I, I was going to say O'Neill Cruz. I don't know if you'll – with, with Key Bryan. That, they, they'd be our two centerpieces – as the future moves. Oh, might have lost you there, Michael. Sorry. You got us all right? Yeah, yeah, sorry. My my headphones died on me. Oh, you're good. No, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. You can pick so it up. Uh, yeah, you can um you can just keep going on Tyone if you want. If you're if you're all done there, we can keep it moving along. Oh, I was just saying Tyone and then I would lock up. O'Neal and obviously Hayes to really kind of push that youth going forward. But I feel like if you could have two horses like Tyon and Musgrove to lead that staff for the next three, four years, um, I, I, I think they'd be affordable. And if at any time you need to get rid of them, you can. I mean, you, you know guys around the league are going to be licking their chops if those guys come out and pitch well. They're just like, like you said, they're just pirates. You know, those are those are two great clubhouse guys. I think you know, huge presences to have around, um, and and would be two excellent signings to, if nothing else, you know, placehold and and get the team ready for guys uh, like Kumar Rocker that could be on the team down the road here. Um, you know, in the real window of contention. Who else is going to be brought in right now, though? Let's talk about some you know potential signings, some potential guys the Pirates might 
like to go get, you know, who do you expect this team to bring in? We've heard Azdrubal Cabrera, maybe um, Domingo Santana, some names floated around. Who do you see the Pirates going out and get in with the rest of this offseason? No, I'll be honest. I I don't see them doing a lot. Interesting. Um, I really don't. And, and, and if you think about it, like, besides maybe bringing in a veteran piece to, to kind of show some compliment with these guys, like you could bring in a veteran catcher and you could bring in a utility guy, like a Neil Walker would be a fun guy to bring in. Yeah. It'd be really cool for the fan base. He could float around, play a lot of different positions. But I, I, I don't think you're going to see a lot more uh, other than that. No big signings uh, because, you know, you have Reynolds in center. Um, they they want to kind of see how it plays out with, with the guys in the left. Polanco is going to lock down right field. He's actually a plus defender last year. So if he can hit um, enough, I mean, he, he, he still has a ton of upside. So, you know, I always want to hope the best for him is a great kid. So, and you know, you have all these other positions – you know, Frazier, once he's traded, it's going to be a crapshoot over there. But if they can get an upgrade, I think they'll go with an upgrade in the middle infield. But other than that, I mean, I, I don't see a lot of stuff going on unless they can get upgrades um, for cheap. Because you don't want to block these guys. And there's enough youth on the team that if guys are playing well in spring training, or if they're playing well during the season, they can – they can trade these guys real quick and get more depth and get more um, experience at the top too, if they needed to. So I, I, I wouldn't expect to see them a lot. They may try to make a couple different upgrades, but I would, I would honestly say I expect them to try to get more control out of guys and maybe a piece or two to complement the team to give them a little bit more um, leadership and whatnot. But I, I think they feel comfortable kind of where they're at because if, if everyone bounces back, they're a pretty darn good team. You know, if you look at, you know, if Reynolds comes back and it's well, Newman plays second base, he becomes a plus defender, which I think that's his natural position. If Tucker can be the guy that he should be, you know, he's got a ton of potential. I restructure his swing this offseason, get him right. All these guys have an opportunity to really hone in on their skills, understand what the organization's looking for, understand analytics, and maybe run – run wild they, they haven't had an off season yet with this regime and i think that's what they're going to really focus on more than they are really the market yeah, I definitely agree with you on pretty much all of that. You know, I don't, I don't think they're going to look to make moves to potentially block young guys. Um, second base is one in particular there for me because I'm with you. I, I fully expect Adam Frazier to be traded. I think Frazier could be traded sooner rather than later, like potentially by the end of the winter meetings. Um, and I think at that point you slide Newman over to second base, you play Cole Tucker shortstop, but you don't want to go down the rabbit hole either of looking to add a second baseman you know, because Newman has shown some good stuff in the past, so you want to get him out there. At the same time, if you sign a guy to a two- or three-year deal, then you're potentially dealing with blocking Nick Gonzalez in a year or two, and you don't want to have to deal with that mess. You know, I, I agree they won't be super active necessarily in free agency, but I think they're probably going to bring in a veteran starting pitcher. Almost every team in baseball is going to bring in some sort of starting pitching depth, even if it's just someone, you know, give a little bit of that veteran presence and leadership, like you said, and could become a nice trade ship in July. I won't be surprised at all if we see them add some type of outfield help, you know, even if it's just a fourth outfielder to go with Polanco and Reynolds and whoever doesn't want a job between Alfred and Oliva. But – 
I, I don't think they'll be super busy, but at the same time, I do think you will see them add a little bit. But I, I think that was a great point you made, Michael, on not wanting to potentially put yourself in a bad spot with two or three year deals where then you might be blocking guys down the road. And I also agree that, man, if they could find some way this offseason to lock up both Key Brian Hayes and O'Neill Cruz, it doesn't matter what else they do, it's a success because you have your building blocks locked up and two building blocks that have potential to be just absolute superstar type players. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, there is a different way to look at it. Uh, I, I don't think they have enough brass to do this. And what I mean is cojones. Um, <laughs> is if they played it like a stock market game. You know, I, I know uh, Nutting is very much into, you know, protecting his money, saving his money, and he, he spends, you know, not very, like, fruitfully. I mean, he, he's very sparingly to spend. So he could do it in a stock market type way is where he goes out and tries to make investments. So he buys these guys that are going to have low price tags and have huge upside going into the season, and they could completely flip the organization upside down. So if you look at, all right, uh, Newman's got options. He's in AAA. Uh, Tucker's in AAA. You get two middle infielders that are on the free agent market. They play well. You trade them as quick as you can. You bring them back up. You add more depth. You do that all across the diamond where guys have options, and it gives you an opportunity to build more. But it's almost like you, you and it's an opportunity where the Pirates can really get into that type of game right now because the market's going to be a mess. So no, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's fun to think about. Oh, yeah, certainly. Stock market baseball. We'll see how big the cojones are uh, kind of <laughs> throughout the rest of this offseason. Um, an interesting thought, though. That's, that's an interesting way to look at it. Some movement for guys that are now former Pirates, Elias Diaz, signing with the Colorado Rockies. You love to see this, former players. Um, you know, guys, just go have success. Go get deals like this. Um, you know, good for Elias Diaz. What, what do you think this fit's going to mean for him out in Colorado? Well, I mean, we know he can hit. And, yeah. you know, if he, can, if he can start hitting the ball in the air, um, he's going to be a, a real power threat because he hits the ball very hard. Um, and, you know, I think getting out there with Tony Walters um, – I think he's he, he really tried to focus on that receiving part. You know, he, he had a bad rap. Um, you know, his last year with the Pirates, defensive numbers absolutely terrible. I still think he had enough character to get better. I think if if they held on to him and, you know, said, man, okay, he can throw, he can block, uh, we just got to make sure the focus stays and that he receives the ball well and he's not hurting our pitchers. And I think he could have really taken off. I, I really do. And I think, you know, being in Colorado, he's going to have an opportunity to play, if not every day, at least split time with somebody. And out there, he'll be able to slug. It'll probably make it better behind the plate because he is slugging. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm really excited he's getting an opportunity. He made that opportunity for himself last year when he signed as a minor league free agent. Made the team, got some playing time, and now it's all up to him. Kind of go and, and do his thing. The thin air can make a difference, man. You get out there, uh, you know, chance to show off the power. You wish the best for Elias Diaz. Um, you know, we'll see how that 
plays out this season. Let's talk about some more former Pirates, guys that are not as recently uh, with the team. A.J. Burnett has been put on the Hall of Fame ballot. Talk about your time with A.J. Uh, You know, I know this means a lot to you personally uh, with your experiences with A.J. And, you know, just so exciting to see for a guy that did so much for the team, got them back to the playoffs to an extent, you know. uh, Overall, I think this is such an exciting thing to see. Yeah, it's it, it's so cool to see. I mean, it definitely makes me feel older uh, than, than, than I want to feel. But, um, yeah, well-deserving. I mean, uh, great teammate, great guy, super competitor. I think he's the spitting image of what you want as a, uh, you know, a big gun at the top of your rotation, especially in Pittsburgh, you know, with the tattoos, the attitude. Oh, yeah. Um, I think his kind of – legendary status will kind of live on in Pittsburgh uh, forever. And now I know um, I haven't dug into his numbers and all that stuff to you know, really know his chances to get in the Hall of Fame, but I mean, well-deserved being at least on the ballot, getting an opportunity. I mean, the guy you know, pitched forever and he probably could have kept going if he wanted to. Um, and I just, I, I just have the ultimate respect for him. Yeah, yeah, you know, how could you not? The What he did for the city and what he did for the team. Excellent to see him get on the ballot. The Pirates put three on this year. Uh, two a little bit more true than the last one. Really, AJ being the only, um, you know, one that you kind of flex the muscle on this year. Ramos Ramirez and Barry Bonds on the ballot. Have to ask, don't want to get into this conversation too much. There's, there's never going to be a right answer. Everybody feels differently. Um, you know, do you think this is the year Barry Bonds gets in the Hall of Fame? Is it deserving if he does, I guess? You know, here's here's my thing, is there's as many people that we don't know that were taking steroids, and Barry Bonds never got caught. Yeah. And, and, That's very and true. at the end of the day, like, I don't agree with it um, from a moral standpoint of what any of those guys were doing um, at that time. But at the end of the day, you know, even before steroids and all that other stuff, which shows go back a long time, there were greenies, which are illegal now. Um, they were able to do a lot of things that in today's game isn't acceptable, wouldn't be allowed. The rules have completely changed. They're, they're very more um, conservative. They, they, they were very open-minded uh, back then. And <laughs> it was it's more or less, nobody's ever going to say this, but as much as it is Bonds' quote-unquote fault for making himself a science project, and obviously you can see the body change and everything else, you're in a game and you're seeing the entire league get better, and you're the best player. I, I can't imagine, you know, what he was thinking, like, how is this, like, even happening? And then he does it and he becomes superhuman. And, I mean, he was a Hall of Famer before that, and, you know, by the numbers, with the extra help, you know, he's by far the best player that's ever lived. So it's hard to say that a guy that is the best player to ever live not be in the Hall of Fame, um, even with everything that happened, because at the end of the day, you really just don't know. And it's it, it's tough to say that. I mean, besides guys like, you know, A-Rod, like I don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he didn't have one strike, he didn't have two strikes, he had three strikes, and that's after the fact. So, you know, that's a guy you may look at and say, ah, you know, we have to put an asterisk or, like, you know, 
whatever that he got in trouble a bunch. So I don't know. It, it, it it's a tough decision, but I think the game was different then, and it, it, it's hard to sit here and say like, oh well, you can assume this guy was, but maybe he wasn't, or maybe he was. Some of the guys I I know for a fact that were taking performance enhancers, which early on in in that it wasn't even illegal, like the stuff they were taking, they made it illegal after the fact. That that includes a lot of the stuff that Bonds was supposedly taking all that stuff. They didn't add that stuff to the list until the season started. And so it's, it's very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see the next, you know, five, 10 years of how it all pans out. No kidding. And, you know, I think the saddest part, like you're saying, is the fact that he probably, he definitely gets in any way you draw it, steroids or not. Um, a sign of the times, if nothing else, Barry Bonds will have two more chances this year. The first of those two chances. I was just going to say one thing you touched on there, Michael, with Bonds. There were two things I totally agree with. First and foremost, I also believe that Barry Bonds is the best baseball player who has ever lived. I mean, you can say what you want about PEDs, but they don't give you the hand-eye coordination and things of that nature that Barry possessed. And the other thing is, you know, like you said, at first the steroids weren't illegal. You know, I, I forget the exact year, but I know it was one of the years in the early 2000s when a lot of this stuff kind of started to pop up, that baseball kind of overhauled some of the roles on the PEDs and ex- uh, acceptable testosterone levels and things of that nature. So in the mid to late 90s, when the kind of the peak of the steroid era, the height of the steroid era there up to the early 2000s, this stuff was legal, you know, and does it make it morally correct? No, but hey, you can't punish somebody i feel for doing something that at the time was legal yeah you know there there's that there's people in the hall of fame who were a lot worse human beings than barry bond so you know i don't feel you can even really pull the morality card on that one yeah it's 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 one of those things like it, it, we're living in a time right now and it, it's really sad is like people want to take the rules of today and apply them to 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or a hundred years ago. And the reality of it is like, you can't like there was more things that were accepted, you know, 15 years ago than are accepted now because of, you know, political correctness and new testing with, with uh, drug, I mean, the drug enforcement in it, in itself is absolutely like bonkers how, good it is and how it changed even while i was playing it went from plastic cups and like they don't even watch you to they're literally like face to face with your wiener watching the stream come out in a in a glass uh, jar that has a seal that can only be opened by a machine wow and now they do blood tests for hdh levels every single every single spring and if your HGH uh, level's off, you're in trouble. And they've added hundreds of products and ingredients to the list over the last five or ten years. I mean, remember I was in AAA, a product got added, and our whole team was taking it. And two guys got popped. Our whole team. They added it in the middle of the season. It was a, some, some new product that was in a lot of the stuff that everyone was taking. And they had to send out a huge announcement. But they'd already released that two of those guys, you know, got popped on our team and they were gone. They, they, they had served 50 games, which stunk, but they used them as an example because, you know, society's 
was like, no, they're taking bad stuff. No, they were taking what our strength coach told us to take. Wow. And then that's when the NSF certification came on, cleared for sport, you know, became a huge side, which is just a money-making machine. Um, it's That's all it is. They say, oh, we, we have clean facilities. You can't get cross-contamination, blah, blah, blah. And there you go. So it's, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, we went from steroids back in the day. Now they can they can do recreational drugs before a game. They, they don't test for those anymore. They've dropped that completely off the reservoir. The team can, but the league, you can't get in trouble. So it's just a different world. It's a different era, different time. And back then, they just didn't have the, the same type of rules. It's completely different. You know, and hearing you say that, it makes you think how many guys are – you know, just kind of confused on the rules nowadays. Like, you know, how many of the Starling Martes or whoever else, you know, how much of that is actually ignorance? Do you think any of it at this point are players maybe using that as an excuse or is there genuinely just some cases in, in today's game where guys just don't know what they're taking and, and maybe don't know that it's not allowed? I think in the Dominican Republic, um, there's been more guys that have tested, like Pablo Reyes uh, and uh, Marte. They got popped for it. I know Pablo didn't, but I believe Marte got popped for a steroid that was oil-based, and it was popular in the 70s. Hmm. So you're talking about a guy with you know multi-million-dollar contract. Um, he's already built like a Greek god, <laughs> and he has five tools. So like, what he by taking that, he's actually hurting himself because it's going to increase his risk for injury, he could have taken 5,000 other things that would have actually benefited him because his main thing was staying healthy. So I think that was a complete mistake. I think he got one of the B12 shots down in the Dominican. It does have to be, you know, uh, a stroke shot with B12. Uh, Daniel McCutcheon uh, had that happen to him uh, when he was sick. They gave it to him in the hospital and, he, he felt a drug test, and there's nothing he could do about it. Like he didn't know. Like he didn't. They told him it was B12 shot, and it was it had steroids in it. So um, he's another guy that's a super athlete, and you know, if you know his character, you know he didn't do anything wrong. So I think there's a little bit of both. I mean, Robinson Cano just felt a drug test. I mean, he's smart enough to know. He's got nutritionists. He's got all that stuff, you know, at his disposal at all times. So I think there's still half and half uh i do think that they're going to continue to get smarter get better and figure out ways to you know figure out a way to cheat i mean that's just our our reality that we live in yeah i I do remember when when starling failed his drug test um and to his credit he came out and and said hey you know what this isn't an excuse i should have been more aware of things but it was along the lines of what you said like it was whatever the substance was that he failed for was something that he was, I think, like basically unknowingly taking, like his off-season trainer, whoever it was, just mixed it in with whatever that he was taking as a, as a supplement, like a, like a post-workout kind of deal. And, you know, like I said, to his credit, Starling came out and said, hey, this is on me. I should have been more aware of this. But he didn't, same light, didn't want to be painted as this, like, awful, horrible cheater, which, again, I think he's another guy who, from his time in Pittsburgh, and obviously you could speak to this more, like he always came off to me as just a very – great stand-up human being like just an all-around awesome dude so i i think that it's 
not coincidental that you have someone like that who found a drug test who was because of something like that that was a little bit out of his control. Yeah, I, I think he was just naive. You know, I, I think he put a lot of trust in the stomach and the people around him, and that's very common in the Dominican Republic. You know, when, when you start to make it or they see a lot of potential, you know, you'll you'll see a group of people. It's almost like a boxer. You know, they get they get their goon squad around them. You know, their best buddy is you know going to batting practice. Their other friend becomes a strength trainer and trains them, and another guy cooks for them, and that's Marte's way or the guy's way to kind of pay pay it forward and pay it back to you know, the people he grew up with. So I just think it was just, you know, him trusting the people around him and it just didn't work out, you know, the way he'd want it to, but I think he learned from it. I think he's better for it. But yeah, he's a great guy. Um, I don't think he did it intentionally. If he did, um, like I said, he took the wrong, wrong thing for a guy that needs to stay healthy. So um, it's just, it's, it, it's just crazy to me that where we've come from, you know, early 2000s, mid 2000s, when, when I, when I got drafted to now is like, there's stuff that is on the banned substance list that guys should be taking for recovery and they should be taking, it's not going to enhance their quote unquote playing ability unless they do the work, but it's going to enhance their life. And I, I think, you know, they've gotten so strict with it and they, they're looking at so much. Guys have to really try to pay attention. And that's why you're seeing teams take over the nutrition. They're buying the guys' supplements all the way through the minor leagues. They're trying to take control of all of it. And, you know, that's good but bad because, you know, the game's changing to where everything's becoming individualized. And the same thing should be for their nutrition and for their supplementation. They should be able to take what their body needs. If they can prove what their body needs, they should be taking it. Yeah, and I think that that goes, you know, on the list or not. Whatever is going to make you feel correctly at the end of the day, you need to be taking. Um, You hate to see the Starling Marte examples and and stories like that of guys that, you know, maybe not have even known and, and end up having to pay the fine, pay the suspension forward. Um, you hope the game kind of adjusts to that over time and the game evolves to the point of, I guess, you know, guys really just knowing exactly what they need for their body and, and figuring out the legal way to do it. Um, but but it's changing. It's it's certainly changing. A lot is changing the game of baseball. Um, just in general, especially this year, we saw a lot of rule changes, you know, being tested out and everything. And I think it's, you know, it's really going to end up, uh, you know, going to effect and, and changing the game on a grand scale as time goes on, um, but for you, Michael, how has this offseason kind of changed the way you do your preparation for, for being on air, being with AT&T Sports? I'm sure this offseason's been a little bit different in that regard, too. It has been different. I, I want to go back to the, the, the drug testing and kind of, I think that's a a change that will happen in the game um, relatively soon. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, we're seeing player development go to a whole nother level with analytics and data. I think the same thing's going to happen with nutrition. And um, it's something I'm very passionate about. And uh, I, I really believe that that's where the, you know, one of the next huge step forwards in the game is going to go. You look at like LeBron James and um, the Seattle's quarterback who spent over a million dollars a year take care of their body. I think that's where a team like the Pirates can really, you know, 
take a kind of huge bite out of the league and come in with a vengeance by doing some things different, you know, doing blood tests, doing no transmitters tests, doing genetics tests, and getting these guys to eat for true performance. You know, what, what, what does their body break down well? How do they recover? How much sleep do they really need? And, and really dig into it almost like they're a science project. And then you can start taking natural things that boost your testosterone, that kind of boost your recovery effect and give you that, uh, that dopamine for your sleep and all those different things that can really change your career. It's stuff that I wish I knew when I played. It would have completely flipped me upside down uh, because of you know how you feel really, and, you know, the focus change, you know, being a tick quicker to the ball um, when you're hitting, you know, being a little bit more aware of of the the situation at hand. So I think that's going to be the next you know big thing in baseball that you're going to see small market teams really take advantage of. Just my personal opinion, if it's not on the radar already, it will be very soon. Um, sorry, I had, to, I had to go under that tangent. because No, you're good, man. Football. You're good. It's No, it's it's open to whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> and then uh, the offseason has been really different. Um, and what I mean by that, I feel like it's just so much more like, quiet. Yeah. Um, because the, like, there's so much going on in the world, you know, with, with COVID, with the election, there's um, protests all over the world. Um, it, there's just a lot going on. And I feel like, you know, baseball and some of the things that is normally a getaway for people um, has kind of been put off to the side because, you know, they have a family member st- sick or they're trying to change their plans or, you know, they're taking those extra precautions to, to travel or whatever it is. There's just a lot more going on. So, um, the biggest thing is, you know, I think it's just to remember to, you know, take the time to, you know, love the game and, and get away from the world for a minute. Definitely. It's, there's, there's no, you know, describing how different, how weird this is for everybody. Like you said, the getaway, I think that's what everybody is missing the most. That, that was the toughest part about this spring into this summer. For a while, there was no getaway sports in general, not just baseball. All of it was eliminated. Um, you know, people need that. People need a place to go, um, you know, talk ball even like we do here on Run Bunch of Radio. You need that that time to just get away from it all. You got to hope that, you know, regardless fans or not, baseball goes on as scheduled this spring um, and we can have some kind of normalcy. Think of vaccines around the corner. You know, that's a different conversation. But, um, you know, I, I, I do believe things are going to continue to keep getting normal in life and in sports. And I think baseball could take advantage of being at the forefront of that. Um, you know, it's crazy to think that, Baseball was really kind of hit the worst out of all of these sports as far as the timing goes, because, you know, this happened right at the beginning of the season. It wasn't a, a midseason thing or, um, you know, like the NFL, it wasn't months away at that point. Um, so, you know, I, I think that really kind of affects the way um, that this is going to last. I think that affects the impact of this whole thing is it's just the timing with it. You got to hope that by spring, um, you know, there's there's a solid plan in place. Well, you know, what do you know about that? Well, I guess what do you expect to see come spring as far as guidelines go and the way that everything else is going to be laid out? So uh, I think first you got to look back at how well all the sports industries have done. Certainly, yeah. Uh, especially baseball. I mean, you look at the numbers that they had. I mean, they're microscopic of positive tests. You know, we heard about all the positive tests, but, you know, they had – almost 300,000 tests in, in, in total, and they had less than 100 positive 
test. And they also had about 90%, uh, last I looked at it, was asymptomatic. And they went 55 days to end the season until Justin Turner, who I believe because of the protocols, I didn't ask him, I probably shouldn't assume, but I think he had a false positive because they flew back the next day. And anybody that has a test, you have to wait on all the uh, negatives through the protocol. So I think they got a false positive. I just don't think the media reported on it, which is shame on yeah, them. I'm pretty uh, certain that was the case. I could I could be wrong, but I could swear I remember reading that somewhere that it was yeah, a I, false positive. I, I, I thought about asking him, but I know that uh, uh, he, he spent time with the guys. He was on a plane with them. They, they, they all, both teams left the next day. So it wasn't like... You know, they hung out there in quarantine and whatnot. And I think that's the big change that they're going to have to – if they want baseball and they, they want, like, fans to realize that they're, they are a getaway, they need to put the politics aside. They need to put the media aside. If USA Today writes an article like they did about Justin Turner saying there's an outbreak in the Dodgers system when none of those guys were around Justin Turner. They were in Florida. They weren't in the bubble. And they, they, they create this fear of fans, and and they I remember I, I didn't want to say anything, but somebody goes, oh, Justin Turner's a killer. I'm like, this guy had a oh false positive. And because these people are writing stories that are completely, you know, fabricated, and they just leave out details enough to where people don't read the entire story and understand that they were actually in their, you know, or they were in Arizona, they weren't. Uh, Texas, I think that's the big thing that they're going to have to really, really hone in on and take take control. Um, very similar to how the NBA did. You know, like, NBA, I guarantee you, had some positives and no one heard about it. And the reason is, is because why would you want to? Right? Like, it's their, it's their guys. Take care of your guys. Don't worry about it. And then tell, tell everyone how positive it went. Hockey. Was another great example. They did a great job. NFL's done a pretty good job, um, especially with all the, you know, tackling and constant, you know, contact. But I think they need to celebrate how good they've done. I mean, if it was a science project, I mean, they're winning. I mean, by far they're winning. And I think that's what you really need to, you know, celebrate instead of, you know, constantly the doom and gloom and looking for that next, you know, headline story of, of someone that, you know, has a, a sniffle or a sneeze. And I, I think that's the most important thing, especially trying to get out of this and getting fans in the ballpark and making people feel comfortable. Is you have to make them feel comfortable. Yeah, there, there's just no need for that narrative. I mean, at the end of the day, like you're saying, you know, baseball is an outdoor sport. The two sports you named are indoor sports that, you know, have a lot more contact than baseball. And, you know, you just don't see that, that narrative about the advantages, um, you know, that baseball has being written ever. Uh, you you got to hope that changes with, with the political climate changing and everything else. Um, but it, it's just so sad. There's no reason for it. It, it doesn't do anybody right. any good. And, you know, I think it, it, it has such a ripple effect, too. It, it, you know, when we yes. saw that, that news break about, um, you know, when Miami had the outbreak early on in the 60-game season, it makes everybody think, you know, oh, man, am I going to get laid off from my job with this organization? You know, is, is the season now going to get canceled? You know, it, it has so much of a deeper effect than just – games being played and it's unfortunate i think for a lot of those journalists the narrative is just about how it's not okay to get on the field and, and play a sport when it's so much deeper than that well yeah it, the, the reality of it is i mean you guys are in the media world i'm in the media world it's it's easy to do the to 
to do the negative story. It's yeah. easy to beat up a player, right? Yeah. It's hard to look deep into those numbers and find the positives and see the light at the end of that tunnel. It's hard to look at the Pirates and say, oh, these guys could surprise people and be in, you know, a playoff contender next year because, you know, if they keep expanded playoffs and they do some things, you know, right and they win some games, it's baseball. They can definitely get to the playoffs. You never know. I mean, I thought Cincinnati was going to tear through the league last year. I mean, especially with how good their pitching was. And they weren't as they weren't nearly as good as I thought they'd be. Yeah. And that's the reality. The game has to be played. And I think, you know, when it comes to the media and it comes to the sports professions in general, they've really got to, you know, hone in on their story. What, what do they want the fans to know? How do they want to be represented? You know, do you want, you know, your, your top players fighting against the league, saying that they're not doing everything they can to keep you safe when you're making $10 million? No, like that shouldn't happen. Find a way to find that common ground, you know, get back to the community, love your fans, love the people around you, and just go out and play the game you love. You're very blessed to be able to do it. So go out and do it. And, and do it with no regrets, no fear, and show joy again. And I think you're going to have you know, fans flock to the ballpark to feel some of that you know, happiness and joy because it's going to be contagious. But if they, if, if they stay in this narrative-based approach, it's going to be bad. There's so many things that they can do if they just look at, you know, how can we kind of uh, combat this, right? They have, they have the UV sensors that you can have, just like a metal detector. You walk in, it kills germs. You can have HEPA filters all across anywhere indoors um, at all these places and give people more peace of mind. A lot of churches around here are doing those two things. They've had no cases um, since you know since they opened in May. So it, it's one of those things like you may have to go a little bit above and beyond to make people feel comfortable, but you should do it. Anything you can do to just show the fans, hey, we love you. Come hang out with us. No, I'm with you, Michael. There, it's like I is not just as a fan of baseball, but as a season ticket holder. Like, man, I I miss PNC Park. You know, there's, and it's not just the ballpark you miss. Like, you know, I go to games typically, it's me and my dad and my oldest son or my oldest son and my wife. Like, it's the family thing. And you have the people who you've sat by in the same seats for the last seven, eight, nine years. You get to know well and just seeing the familiar faces, your, the vendors who work your area and the ushers who have your section, just that sort of thing. Like, you miss that stuff. You know, that, that's part of one of the things people love about life. One of the things that help you bond as a family and as friends and that sort of stuff. Because I cannot wait. Excuse me. I cannot wait to be back in the ballpark. And hopefully it's for the home opener this year. I know Travis Williams has already said that they have a plan in place where they can at least have the season ticket holders there when the season begins. So hopefully, you know, knock on wood, that'll hold. And at least our season ticket holders can be there. And as the season progresses, we can get more and more people in the ballpark. But yeah, there are of everything that we've missed out on this year. There are a few things I miss more than spending my Friday and Saturday nights hanging out at PNC park. No doubt. I think, I think, I mean, I say this lightly because I am employed by the pirates and, I am, you know, partnered with AT&T. So, and like, I, I do think it's, there's a point, too, where the players and the fans have to step up and say, enough is enough. Like, if you feel comfortable, you should be able to go. Because, like, it's it's one of those things, the longer it goes, it, it, it becomes more fearful for me, especially going into, you know, negotiation talks next offseason. 
you know, if, if you have a half, if they don't get the full capacity and people remember what that's like, especially in the playoffs, they're just going to remember all the bad with the negotiations of the protocols they're going to do again. And then same thing when they, when they go into those negotiations, they're gonna be like, they don't care about us. Can't you tell? And that, that, that's a fear I have, and the baseball kind of loses its its gusto for a long time, and has to fight to get it back because they didn't notice the human element is so much more important right now, and 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 showing the care and concern for actual human beings is is so important because that that reality of being a kid and looking up and seeing you know Key Brian Hayes live and make a diving play. Is, is something that you never get back, right? It's something that, like, is imprinted in your brain forever. I remember watching Mark McGuire at his 61st home run in St. Louis. I can literally smell the smells of that day. And I was in the, like, upper deck, um, you know, in, at, the, at Bush Stadium. It's, it's just, like, it's something that the further people get away from it, I think it's going to be harder to get them back. Hmm. There's, there's nothing like it. And how many kids go to the ballpark like yourself and, you know, make a memory that inspires them to go on and, and play the game or, you know, have a career in the game one day or be, be around the game in some form or fashion. Um, you got to hope that this is all just going to be a distant memory here soon. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how the protocols fall into place and, and how it's received. A wake up call is necessary, though, for a lot of people. Um, within the organizations and, and just in general, as baseball continues to, to try to get back to normalcy and, and try to have some kind of normal in 2021. That's all the time that we have for this episode of Run Buncher Radio. Michael, it is always such a pleasure talking ball with you, man, having you on, hearing your thoughts. Thanks, as always, for coming on. It's been a blast. Hey, always, guys. Anytime you'll have me, I'm more than welcome to come on. Appreciate it, and God bless you. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. Thank you very much. Like you said, I'm sure I'm sure we'll have you back on, and we'll be talking again sooner rather than later. Thank you very much again. Yeah, Look forward to having Michael on soon. Look forward to, to all the guests that we're going to have on this, this fall into this winter as the offseason continues. we got all kinds of content out right now, guys. Dude, go check out the website articles you know detailing some potential signings talking about dfas um you know hall of fame articles as well you can read a little bit more about barry bonds aj burnett those guys download our app we're on the app store rum bunter you can find us on social media at rum bunter on twitter as always our podcast can be found on apple music spotify wherever you get your podcasts omni.com you can hit it on our twitter as well and that app that handy app until next time guys let's go bucks have a great week mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.